Amen. I'll be thankful for the goodness of the Lord tonight. Amen. Praise God. And we're going to, we're continuing um, our study. We stopped in, still in the sixth chapter of the book of Genesis. And uh, we kind of left off last time. We, we didn't get to um, get in the study last week because we had, um, what we had? Baptism. Couldn't think what it was. Uh, we had baptism. So a couple of weeks ago, we kind of left them maybe a little bit of a cliffhanger. <laughs> Somebody said, mm -hmm. um, And we're going to pick back up on that. And uh, I don't know. You might say hanging on the cliff even though we're picking back up. Uh, so some of what, some of what we're going to uh, discuss tonight uh I don't know, I don't want to say controversial, but it, it, it's definitely not conventional um, in, in a, a lot of what some have been uh, understood, uh, and maybe some of you haven't uh, been there at all, and that's fine. But anyway, uh, let's do a quick overview. We're in Matthew. Let's read our, our text out of Matthew 24, verses 36 through 39. These are words in wet. <laughs> Words in red. <laughs> I'm telling you, this is teeth. <laughs> I've got two more weeks to use that as an excuse. <laughs> Jesus said to the disciples, But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating, drinking, marrying, and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. So, you know, we are, we're, we're going, we're in this study because of what Jesus uh, said to uh, the disciples that, when the time comes, and that time is where we're living right now, uh, we're living in the last days, we're in the final moments, if I can say it like that, of the, the, the end of time, uh, as we see it, uh, the church being prepared to be called out of here, tribulation coming, uh, and then the second appearing of Jesus Christ will be here, and he'll come, and we will come back with him, so uh, our key is, is to be ready, right? We want to be ready uh, for that appointed time. And so uh, Jesus said that as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be when that day comes. That day is here. So we're, we're looking at kind of trying to help us understand why the world is nuts, why the world is crazy, why things are the way they are, why people are acting the way they are. Um, outside, we know that you know, there's demonic influence, and we know that evil prevails, it always has, uh, all of those kind of things. But uh, we're looking back and going, been looking at the generations uh, prior to the flood. And so, uh, you know, we've established that God's default position is chaos, right? In the beginning, uh, there was chaos. And when God spoke, uh, and everything was divided, and he put everything into place, he brought uh, he brought uh, unity there uh, out of the chaos, and uh, so he brought order, and he brought unity there. So that's God's default position. So 
That's a blessing that when life becomes a mess, God's got something to work with, right? Uh, so the earth was without form and void. So again, it was in chaos and turmoil. God spoke uh, and put all of that in place. So you know that the Bible is God's blueprint for life. So if you follow the word of God, if you follow that blueprint, uh, and we're talking about the moral codes, we're talking about uh, uh, there's things put into the universe, right, that don't just apply to Christians, don't just apply to people that serve the Lord, but it applies to people who follow that blueprint. Um, and so uh, you see, we see that God has done that. Chaos is uh, invisible. It's not something we can see, but it's a destructible force. If you don't put anything to resist it, it will take over. Okay, so you've got to put something into the system. You've got to put something in there. You've got to do something or that chaos will take over. And we see that gen 10 generations. We've looked at the 10 generations after Adam. Uh, they, uh, uh, they naturally, things just naturally uh, allowed chaos to take over. That man just allowed it to be. They, they began to back away from doing anything to prevent it from happening. And so we see that God stepped in finally in Noah's generation and said, you know what? Uh, we've got to put an end to this. This can't go on any longer. And so God, uh, of course, stepped in. He set the plan to bring the flood to destroy the earth. Noah built the ark. We talked uh, the last time about how that, uh, even though we have always felt that and taught that, always said that, there's nowhere in the scripture that says Noah preached while he was building the ark. Nowhere in scripture does it say that Noah warned the people that the flood was coming. Uh, it says that after uh, the flood, uh, they knew not until after the flood came. And then Noah went into the ark. So Jesus just said that. So um, I know a lot of people are like, what? Wait. Uh, and the only, the only reference that we have is in the New Testament where it speaks about uh, it says that, I think it's in Hebrews, that Noah uh, uh, preached. And so, uh, but it really doesn't tell us anywhere in the narrative, in the story, that Noah warned the people that the flood is coming. So, we've looked at the begats, right? We've realized that the begats are relevant, even though we can't say their name, and even though we don't really know what they all mean, we know that they're relevant because they reveal trends in the generations. So when you see the names that are mentioned in the begats, then it's revealing uh, what's happening in that generation. So that name, the meaning of that name, of course, uh, very significant in the Hebrew, the meaning of that name tells us what was going on in those generations. And so we have the power to resist what comes from the generation prior to us, what comes into the generation after us. Uh, and so we, 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 we can't just ignore uh, between Cain and Abel and Noah. So it's very vital that we look at those begats, which we began to do. We talked about Noah, uh, his father, and his father-in-law both had the name Rebecca. Uh, we see where their names brought about uh, uh, some trends in the generations, and we see that uh, this began. Lamech, uh, his father-in-law, was the first to have two wives in the scriptures. One was for sex, the other was for having kids. And so Noah, uh, his father-in-law, was the first one to separate the two. Uh, and even though it seemed like a good idea at the time, we're seeing now uh, that it was a spiral down, okay? His father, uh, because Adam passed away, 
Adam died, his father thought, uh, and, and somewhat of the curse had lifted on the ground. Uh, he thought that it was a time to rest, that they were free from having to labor and toil. So he named Noah Noah, or, or Noah, which means rest in the Hebrew, because he thought, you have brought us this rest now, but we know that. So his mindset was that you can get something without working for it. Hello, that's in this generation, right? Still here, thinking that uh, you can uh, you can get still in this generation uh, for for wanting sex without the responsibility to go with it, and that's not God's plan. So we looked at all of those, looked at uh, the different things. We want to go into that. Last time we talked about how the Bible, uh, the the creation of chapter and verse was not put in the original uh, uh, man manuscript. God did not design the word that way. Uh, a man by the name of Langton brought that in, thought it was good to separate that. So the way that we study the scripture is not the way that it was written in the original uh, text. So chapters and verses are not godly. And so when, when, the, uh, when, when Jews read the, the Torah, when they read the word, they do not read it in verse and scripture. So knowing that, it's divided into portions. The first five books of Moses uh, are divided into portions or what we said as sedras, which is the word portion in Hebrew. So uh, the word is divided, sorry. I try not to write as fast when I'm writing for somebody's benefit. Um, but the, the word sedra, so the, the scriptures are really divided into, uh, especially the first five books of Moses, are, are divided into portions. So, we, we discovered and talked last time about how that some of our ending chapters is not really the end of the portion. So it looks as if uh, the story ends at Genesis 5.32, but when we look at the original uh, manuscript, the first portion uh, of the word or uh, uh, the beginning doesn't end until Genesis 6 and eight, so uh, it really doesn't end uh, at Genesis five thirty-two. So the first, does anybody remember what the first portion is called in the Hebrew? Yes, he said that. All right. There she, which means in the beginning. So the first there she, it begins with. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and that's what Bereshit means. It means in the beginning. So the first portion, the first sacra is in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's where it begins, and it ends with Genesis 6, 8, that says Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So that is the first portion in the scripture. So the first portion really ends at Genesis 6, 8. So the beginning of Genesis 6, 1 is not... Uh, the beginning of a new concept. It's actually the climax of the first portion. Okay, so uh, that's what we talked about last week um, and how that, uh, you know, the beginning, uh, everything, that progress, the decay, you know, it's not a fast process. It's not something that, that begins and the first steps uh, uh, to something decaying begins slowly, but by the time that it gets people's attention, the destructive changes that have already begun to take place, right? So by the time we realize, oh man, we should have done something about this 20 years ago. Somebody should have spoke up about this 
15 years ago. Now the destructive changes have already taken place, and now we're trying to make sure that this generation, right, because now it's affected this generation, and now they're up to affect the generation after them. So we want to make sure that we can get uh, some truth and we can get some remedy and we can get some hope in there so that that generation is not lost and uh, destroyed like the generation prior, okay? So that's kind of the, uh, uh, the whole idea. Now, this is kind of where we started to end uh, last time is, is at Genesis 6-1. Uh, if you want to pull that up for me, Genesis 6-1 simply says that it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born unto them. Okay, go ahead and, and put it in, put me into that the sons of God saw the daughters of men that were fair and they took them wives of all which they chose. So we talked about how that uh, verse one speaks specifically about daughters, but we see in Genesis chapter five that it mentioned, talked about sons and daughters were born. So the point being is, is that the whole idea, there's this, this, New concept of in Genesis 6 1, if you want to put that back for me. In Genesis 6 1, the whole idea of daughters being born is not like, oh wow, this is the first time daughters are being born. Uh, because we're told in Genesis 5 that sons and daughters were born. So this helps us realize and understand that because this scripture is specifically saying daughters, there's a deeper revelation there. That we need to understand because it's not some new concept. It's not like, oh man, daughters were born. Uh, there, there's something deeper there uh, that we need to, to understand. And so that is, uh, that's the whole meaning there. So the word began, uh, as it says there, when men began to multiply. The word began is the Hebrew word haleo. Okay, which uh, means began. And then it, it says they began to multiply is the Hebrew word larov. It's spelled with a V, but pronounced with a V. That's just the Hebrew language. So uh, that is the, uh, uh, the Hebrew word larov. And so this means to multiply. So when uh, they began, when it started, they began to multiply. Uh, and, and so there were many uh, that were there. Uh, and so we're seeing now that this concept, this idea of Hallel and Merov, connected to the fact that it just tells us there's daughters, there's a deeper revelation there. We started getting into that the last time. So sons are omitted because it's wanting us to focus and pay attention to what's going on here. So Hallel doesn't just mean began, but it also, uh, the root of it, uh, and, and to put it in, in simple terms, the root of it really means the trashing and renouncing of tradition. So uh, when you kind of look at what these Hebrew words uh, mean, or it even means to begin the breaking of a tradition. So uh, uh, the concept there and the idea of breaking tradition and multiplying, increasing, becoming many, and the fact that it was daughters and not sons and daughters, and sons were omitted, is telling us something. So uh, this is literally the idea of Hallel, is literally the idea of profaning the past 
and abandoning it. So anything that was of good moral value in the past, anything that was uh, good and that kept uh, society, that kept families, that kept men uh, living moral and right, they've now abandoned it, okay, and uh, uh, completely forsaken it as if it doesn't matter. So uh, uh, then we get to the root word of Lerov, it means multiply, but the root of that word means argumentative, okay? So I know it's hard to imagine a male being argumentative, right? <laughs> so uh, both of these share the same root, okay? And when in the Hebrew, when they share, when a word shares the same root, that means they share a concept, okay? So this is what we got to understand. So really, Genesis 6.1 this is what it is in the King James. When we look at the meanings of Hallel and Barov, and we understand uh, that there's a, a deeper revelation there, we can, we can say Genesis 6 1 could, could say something like this. And it came to pass as man began to abandon traditional values and to become many over the face of the earth, they also became very argumentative, and daughters were born to them. Okay, so pay attention to that, and uh, that's kind of where that's at. So this is kind of where we left off, that now you've got beautiful, attractive women um, that uh, men who had neglected values that came down to them from Adam. So these men that now begin to neglect the values that had came down to them from Adam from the generations prior to them, uh, now these men are surrounded by beautiful, attractive women, okay? And uh, they are, they have abandoned their moral values. They've abandoned anything that uh, would, would keep them in line or keep them uh, in right standing, and they've become argumentative. Now, I left you with, how do you think women are going to be treated in that kind of an environment, Okay? I know that's probably a lot, but if some of you weren't here, you can go back and watch uh, the lesson. Uh, so now we want to continue that, and I left off with uh, the next three verses, which are kind of cryptic uh, in our understanding, until you look at them in the Hebrew and you look at them in the context in which they're written, uh, they're going to kind of give us an idea of how these women were treated um, in this environment. And what it was saying. So now let's go back to Genesis 6 and 2. And this is where it's probably going to become a little bit, I, I say controversial, but I don't want to say it like that, but uh, uh, unconventional. Let me say it like that. It's probably going to get a little unconventional maybe for some of you. I don't know. So, you know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Maybe. So. Genesis 6 2 says, now after, again, after seeing verse 1, I'm sorry, go back there one more time, let's flow into it. And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. Okay, so now we're seeing that. Now we're seeing that uh, these 
daughters were being born, okay, unto these uh, uh, men that were uh, now becoming argumentative, and they began to multiply, and there were a lot of pretty women, okay? There were just a lot of pretty females. This is essentially what the only way to say it. And when the sons of God saw these daughters, when they saw these pretty women, okay, when they saw that they were beautiful, when they saw that they were fair, they took them wives of whatever they wanted. Okay? So, uh, the proper translation of that literally is, and this is where, again, we're going we're gonna to break it down and look at it. So, when you... When you look at this, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, the proper translation is that is the sons of the powerful people saw the daughters of ordinary people were very pretty, and they took for themselves wives, wives from among whomever they chose. Okay? So, when the sons of the powerful people saw the daughters of these ordinary people, and saw that they were very pretty, they took themselves wise, okay? Now, the sons of God, this is the big for a lot of people, right? Because this is where we have to look at the context and look at the Hebrew and go back to uh, the Hebrew translation because there's a lot of, uh, there's, there's several different theological views and ideas that have, Floated and have been passed down for many, many, many years um, concerning the sons of God and just who were the sons of God. So when you look at the translation and you look at the Hebrew meaning, the sons of God, uh, uh, really, you, you should say the sons of the Lords. Okay? So think about... Um, so, so really, it was the sons of the powerful people. People who had lorded or people who had ruled over the people, their sons, okay? So you've got, you've got the sons of these people who were powerful, who, had, um, uh, who were prominent in the society, okay? Uh, the people that had ruled, that had lorded over them, their sons, okay? The sons of the lords, uh, powerful people. So sons of God is really an improper translation. Okay? I want you to stay with me. Because it's really not talking about deities or gods, but it's really about important people who lord it over others. Think about the British monarchy. Right. Yes, my lord. <laughs> I, can't, I, don't, I can't do it in the second but you get what I'm saying. So my lord. Uh, so, you know, we call Jesus lord, right? He is the lord. He lords over us. You know, Lord, uh, I don't know, isn't there a Disney movie that's got Lord something in it? How much? Fred. Fred. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I knew it was right. Something I didn't want to say because I knew you wrong. So that idea, <laughs> Lord Farquaad. Um, so, you know, think of it like that. So I know that a lot, and here's where we're, you know, here's where we're going to get into where some of these uh, ideas uh, have have uh, different views is because a lot of people there is a uh, there is a view that we're going to say is the fallen angels view that that believes that the sons of God were fallen angels. 
okay? And when the fallen angels saw the daughters of men, then they went in with them, took them, and as they want, the fallen angels. So this would, this would be the idea that Satan's angels or demons, if I can say it like that, uh, bred with human women and had offspring, okay? This, this is that. This is that, and I will tell you, that's a very common um, and a very uh, uh, prevalent uh, interpretation. And that a lot of, there was a time when I saw it more in that way as well. Um, but when you begin to uh, uh, start looking and, and studying it, you realize that uh, it, it is an improper translation. So there's also a view, and I don't want to get way deep into it, because I don't want to bring any kind of confusion to people that it's not necessary. Uh, but, you know, there's, there's also the, the view that the, the fallen angels overtook men, possessed these men, men went in with these women, and, um, and you know, uh, caused them to breed with the women. And then there is what uh, is common to, commonly referred to the Sethite view, uh, coming from the Seth, that the sons of God were the godly line from Adam to Seth on down to Noah. Um, because, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get into it here in uh, just a minute. Go ahead and go to, to verse 3. <laughs> Actually, go to verse 4. And there were giants in the earth in those days and also after that. When the sons of God came into the daughters of men, and they bare children unto them, the same became mighty men, which were of old men of renown. This is the big, this yep. is the big hugger that everybody hugs onto, with the sons of God being fallen angels, because the word giants there in the, is the Hebrew word nephilim. Okay, that's the that's the big word nephilim. So. Um, the word giant is the Hebrew word Nephilim, okay? Nephilim has become very controversial. And there's not a lot in the scripture. There's really only a, a few other places where the idea of Nephilim is even mentioned. But it's, it's important that we kind of get a grip on this right here in this moment because it helps you understand why things went the way they did, and we can see it today. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. So, uh, but then, then there's also the fallen men, uh, just the, the, the idea of, uh, of fallen men, meaning that godly men took ungodly wives, and then their descendants became Nephilim, okay, followed after false gods, rejected uh, God fell far from God in wickedness, okay? So, uh, a, a lot of the confusion over uh, the giants and over the Nephilim um, is, is where all of it comes into play. So, you have to, you have to understand that uh, this word, Nephilim, it, in the Hebrew, it's translated to mean bully or tyrant, okay? So, it's... It's, it's not even really translated as in giant in the perception that we are seeing or that you're thinking, okay? 
uh, in, in that sense as far as, you know, Goliath, okay? Um, now, it, it means bully or tyrant, it, and the root word of it actually is fall or fail. So, um, when, you, when you look at, you know, what the, the scriptures are, are saying here and the idea of that translation, so, you know, it, it, it's literally saying that sons of the upper people or the people who were in charge, the people of the government, the people who were prominent, the people who had authority, uh, you know, obviously they were rich, right? That would be what we would see as rich and prominent. The sons of these prominent people uh, saw that all of these uh, this, these many men and, 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 and people were multiplying and these daughters were born, all of these daughters that were fair and beautiful to look upon. And so they, because they were the sons of powerful people, they felt they had the right to go into ordinary people such as you and me. So they would, they would come and they would take our daughters that they chose because they felt like they could because they were the powerful people. They were from that. So they would take them however and whoever and whenever they wanted. They were given in marriage. They were married, given in marriage. And so they saw uh, these daughters. And, uh, and so when you, when you look at the idea and you, uh, you think about the sons of God um, and the fact that those were fallen in the thought of those being fallen angels, for me, I don't see that. Okay, I'm, I'm more inclined to, to believe that these sons of God were the sons of powerful people. They were the sons of people who were, uh, who were in charge and in control. Um, and they felt they had a right to go in and take these girls. And we'll see, uh, you know, the, the things that they did. And so now when you go, and, and I don't want to get into a, into a whole lot. Now, it's not saying that there weren't giants in that concept that were there at the time of the flood. But here's, here's where... Um, and I'm trying to be really concise but not go way off on a rack trail. Um, here's where you have to put everything into context because if, 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 these were, um, if these were fallen angels that had went in to these, um, to these women, it doesn't say that giants were born to them. It just says that giants were in the earth. Okay, and the giants were the Nephilim. The Nephilim is a bully and a tyrant. Now, of course, someone that's 10 foot tall is going to be a bully, right? Especially with the way that the culture and the society was, right? Well, you can understand that they, they're losing values. Violence had become. Uh, so think about all of the, the, the um, you know, the environment and everything that's there. So um, when you take it, with the fact that, that the giants were already there. Then the sons of God, or these fallen, these 
powerful people, these sons of the lords. Then they came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them. And those children became mighty men, which were of old men of renown. So see the difference. It doesn't say that these demons had sex with these women and made giants. And that's what we've been thought. And that's what we've been taught. It says giants were there. These sons of these powerful people came in to ordinary people like you and me, stole our daughters, felt like they didn't need our permission, married them because they felt like they could, because they were powerful people, right? And then the children that they had became mighty men, which were of old men of renown. Does that make sense to everybody? Yes. So, here's my thing. If, in fact, there were giants in the sense, enjoy that. Because uh, then again, I'll jump again. In, in the sense of Goliath-type giants, the flood came and destroyed everybody but no one in his family, correct? Right. right. So then where did Goliath come from? Mm -hmm. This was, that was post-flood. They were giants after the flood. So, so think about, think about if there were giants like Goliath in there, God destroyed all of them. Now there are, now it's going to sound funny, but there are, there are people who believe that the giants, because there were giants post-flood, that they somehow escaped and stood on top of the ark. No, I'm not kidding. That's how... Crazy, you know, thinking can be. So, you know, the Bible plainly says everyone, everything was destroyed off the face of it except what was in the ark. Yep. Right? So if there were giants like Goliath in the land, they were destroyed. But Noah and he, right, his family, they began to create, right, procreate and do again. And somewhere, the Anakim, that's, that was the, the, the sons of Anak, which were which is where Goliath came from. Somehow, there were still giants that were born. So keep in mind, again, uh, about the difference in the environment, the difference in the, the, the number of years that they lived and the, the uh, effect that sin had not had as much of an effect there's a lot of different things that you could put in there. We could sit and we could, we could like go down and think of all these things. But bottom line is giants showed back up. Okay? So, um, you know, the idea that these, these fallen angels created these giants really doesn't coincide with the rest of Scripture. Okay? Because somewhere in the DNA, now Noah was righteous, right? And, you know, I don't know if it was in Noah's DNA, but Noah had daughters-in-law that we don't know where they came from. So it could have been in their DNA, yes. and they could have birthed, right? And so you know how genetics are. As things go on and on, that's why sometimes you'll have, I mean, we've got giants today. There's still people that have, you know, considered giants. So it's not like, you know, the giants got completely obliterated. Um, and so, you know, realizing that you know, there were giants there, and, you know, the, the idea, I mean, there's things that you can 
we can talk about, and, and I really, you know, I don't want to do it tonight, uh, per se, just for the sake of where we are, but, you know, the spiritual, uh, a spiritual being uh, producing physical offspring, um, you know, the whole kind of, uh, of thing, you know, uh, the spiritual can create, but that's the Holy Spirit, not fallen angels, okay, that's, he's the creator, you know, God is the creator. So, you know, the Bible really just doesn't reveal it to us in that way. So, so the idea, that notion, and that's what I want you to to get away from for for a minute because it, it's 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 got to make sense as we move forward. Yes. So were giants like were they bad, or were they just about giant people? We really don't know. But based on the Nephilim, I mean, like, they were bullies and tyrants. So they probably were a sense of... But like you said, maybe just because they were big. Right, because because they were bigger. Who knows what the average height of a person was? Right. I mean, the average height of a person could have been seven foot. I don't know. You don't know, honestly. The Bible, the, but, you know, when, when you look at, at the things, but bottom line... You know, somewhere in the DNA, and even when the Bible speaks about the Anakim, uh, because they were in they were in the Canaan land, right? They're like giants, and we're like grasshoppers. So they were there, um, and, and so they didn't they didn't just. I don't believe that. So that would mean that fallen angels would have had to do it again. <laughs> And I just, I don't, there's not scripture that really, really, really uh, solidifies that. Um, and so, Nephilim can exist without being the offspring of sons of God. Because, um, you know, it, again, it is a bully and a tyrant. It, it very well, you know, maybe some of the, maybe some of the powerful people were giants. Maybe those were the people that lorded over the others. You know, I don't know. And we really don't, you know, we don't have a, a, a lot of that. I mean, and also, think of what it said. It said that they were taking wives. I don't think that an angel, or fallen angel, is going to marry anyone. First of all, the Bible says that, you know, in heaven there's no given in marriage, so... Um, you know, I, I wouldn't imagine, um, you know, I mean, let's think about it. You know, I, I just wouldn't imagine that, that it would all be so. So when you, when you look at it and you, you see it and you see the translation, it really is that these sons of powerful people went in and saw the daughters of these ordinary people, that they were beautiful, they were pretty, and they chose them. And they took them as their wives. Now, here's what you got. Is everybody with me? Yes. If you have any questions later, you can ask me. I may not have the answer. But we can, you know, if I can help you maybe understand as much as I've got, which ain't a lot these days. Um, but they didn't choose their wives for the, for the best of reasons. They chose them only for their outward appearance. They chose them only for... Their flesh. Remember, we talked about that and about getting into to, to Lamech and the fleshly desires and 
and, and all of those things. So the attitude uh, that there's plenty of women to choose from, and it was selfishly for only what they could get out of it. There was no concern for a wife's well-being. They did not share the same vision of life. It wasn't, you know, we're going to make this life together. Because So it was all for selfish reasons, okay? And uh, so this doesn't sound like God's original plan for marriage, right? This is not how God designed marriage when God put Adam and Eve together. Now remember, we're going back to Lamech. Lamech, Noah's father-in-law, now, you know, has the been, was the first one that took two wives. So you can see where that's a mistake, okay? So, that doesn't sound like God's original plan for marriage. Now, let's go to verse, back to verse 3. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. Now, um, this kind of sounds like that it's a new topic, but it's really actually part of the same story, right? This kind of looks like that it's, it's bringing in a new topic. Now, remember, this is still the, the, the first Savior. This is still the first portion of the five books of the Bible. So this is still, you know, we still got five verses before the first portion or the first Savior is finished. So this kind of sounds like it's a, a, maybe a new topic, um, you know, God obviously is disapproving of these marriages. We, we can be on that page, right? God says, you know, um, wait a minute. My spirit shall not always strive with man. Now, he's disapproving of these marriages. And what God's saying is that the spiritual side that he built into man is proving to be insufficient to cause him to judge his actions correctly. So, so the spiritual side of man that God has created, right, uh, is now uh, is now not uh, proving to be enough. So man is allowing his flesh to override the spirit. Are you with me? This is why we have to have the Holy Spirit because it ain't gonna work without the Holy Spirit working in our lives and the Spirit of Christ. So, so God's disapproving, and he's saying, you know, what I've built and how I've created the spiritual side of man is, is, is not enough, and it, 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 he's not judging his actions correctly. So the fleshly side of man is winning out. The fleshly side of man is uh, making it. Now remember, men are neither angels who are purely spiritual, nor are they animals who are purely physical. Sorry, guys. P.T. is not a spiritual being. I know. But wait, that's a different study. So what, what we see by that, and why I say that, is that God's intended, uh, what God intended for man's spiritual side uh, was to direct his physical side. So the spiritual side of man was to direct the physical side, okay? This is why when we get saved, our spirit is what gets born again. Now we got to bring our flesh, our mind, our will, and our emotions in alignment with the spirit. Hence the war. Hence the battle. 
It's a constant struggle, a constant conflict. What you want to do, what you should do. What feels right, what is right. Okay? That's that's the, that's the whole, it goes all the way back. So, so you know, God's intended for that spiritual side to direct his physical side, and man's failing at that challenge. Miserably. We see that man's failing at that challenge. So, what God was saying is, I, and I know that we see this, that he said man would live to be 120 years old. But look at how long they lived at this point. Six, seven, eight, nine hundred years. Because that was how it was intended to be. Until sin came in. Okay? So, so, what God was saying here is that He's going to give them another 120 years to change their ways. But we know they failed at that. So God's saying, my spirits are not always going to strive with men. I can't do this for that. He also is flesh. His flesh is overriding my spirit. So I'm going to give him 120 years. Okay? Uh, to, to, uh, I'm going to add to that. So it's not necessarily when you, and, and that's the proper translation in the Hebrew. And so it's not necessarily saying that man, that, that the, the, the age that man was given 120 years on the earth. At this point, God's saying, I will give him 120 years. How long did it take now to go beyond? Okay, are you with me? It, 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 so all of the time, those hundreds of years that Noah was working on the ark, and he wasn't warning people. We know that, right? He wasn't going, hey guys, it's going to rain. There's a flood coming. The Bible didn't say he did that. I know that's good songwriting, and that's good storytelling, and it makes for, you know, but the Bible doesn't tell us that. Now, I'm not saying that he didn't, but the Bible doesn't give us clear direction that he did. So, all of this is going on. God is striving with man. I call that mercy. Yeah, it is. You know, that's, that's grace. That's grace before grace was personified. You know what I mean? That shows us the long <coughs> suffering of our creator. We see him as, you know, we get in our minds that he, and he is a God of wrath. But we see him and that notion that we get that religious side that he's going to beat us up over that. That shows a completely different God. A God that is long-suffering, who is patient, who is, who, who, who is gentle, okay? So, um, now, you go back to four, and now it tells us that there were these giants, these Nephilim, which is literally translated in the Hebrew as fallen ones. So, the fallen ones were in the earth in those days. This is another reason why a, a, a lot of scholars, and there are even some, some um, Jews that believe, because it says fallen ones, that it's the fallen angels uh, uh, with that. So this literally means the fallen ones, and it says, and also afterwards. So after there were fallen ones, then the sons of the powerful people came to the daughters of the ordinary folk, bore children to them, these mighty ones who were for all time men of renown. Okay? So now, you can kind of see 
the, the, the difference, the fallen ones. Who were the fallen ones on the earth in those days? Why, why, would, it, why would it say um, um, fallen ones in that sense? Now remember, we're talking about Nephilim. We're talking about bully tyrant. It comes from the root word that means to fall or fail. So that's why you get the fallen ones. So there were fallen ones in the earth in those days. After that, the sons of powerful men came into the daughters of ordinary people, their children of them. These same became mighty men, which were old men of renown. So what happens to the children? So think about it. What happens to the children being born to these marriages that we read about in verse 2? What happens to these kids? Think about, remember, put yourself Get your mind and try to get a picture of what it was like. Remember, we're talking about now uh, no restraint. We're talking about these generations now are declining from 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 this uh, from this concept of separating sex and the responsibility of children uh, for wanting wanting the benefits of working without working. Let us not go to where we are today. Let's not talk about this generation that is full of entitlement. It blows my mind how they feel like, how they, they even remotely see that they deserve to be taken care of and not lift a finger. Help me. This is why. This is exactly why. The same thing was happening in the days of Noah. Nothing new under the sun. We just got a lot more people that are doing it. Okay, and we got a lot more ways that we can have it. So, so think about these, these kids that were born to these marriages that we talked about in verse 2. These children, uh, these kids didn't have the gift of being born into a home that was a peaceful, a home that had respect for the parents, had a mission in life that can only be accomplished in a partnership and where God is welcome. So they weren't, they didn't have that gift given to them, but they were born into that home to where uh, this, this mother and father were in covenant and that they had the same vision for life and that God was a part of their vision. So, hence we see these fallen ones refers to the ones that, uh, those that had fallen below the ideal level of what life and home should be. So they fell beneath the, the, the idea of, of what God created for life and for home. So uh, then we see that things get even worse because it says, and afterwards, when the sons of the powerful men came to the daughters of ordinary people, they bore children to them. So also afterwards. So, so what does that mean? See, those kids didn't have a great example of marriage. They didn't have a, a, an example of what a good marriage was, okay? So they are not going to continue to live their lives to just have bad marriages themselves. Are you with me? So they're not just going to continue to live their lives. So after this, and after these when the sons of these powerful men came into the daughters of the ordinary people, then, then they grew up 
And what is happening now is they're rejecting marriage altogether. That marriage isn't even necessary. Are you with me? Okay. So, so now we're seeing, we talked about it last time, that it's a slow fade, right? It, it, it just, the, the degeneration just goes slowly. So now these guys are coming in and they're, they're, they're seeing these examples, horrible examples of the marriage. And so they're not going to just, you know, keep going into one bad marriage after another, you know. So now they've decided that marriage isn't even really necessary. Don't fall for it. It's, a, it's an age-old lie, okay? It was back in the days of Noah. So, from verse 2 to verse 4, there's a subtle yet important change in the language. If you go back to verse 2 for me, the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair, and they took them wise of all which they chose. Now, uh, the, the word here, let me try to it right. Yeah. Nope, I didn't. I think that's fine either. <laughs> Okay, this is the Hebrew word vayiku. Okay, so that word used in verse two is the word uh, for uh, men. So it, it's 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 describing the word for marriage. I don't know why I said men. It's describing the word for marriage. So when it says they came in and took wives, this is uh, isha, the word in Hebrew for wife is Isha, uh, this tells us that the act of marriage or marriage actually took place. So Vayiku, uh, so this tells us that they really were getting married. Are you with me? So it's not just, you know, common law thing or whatever. But when you go back to verse 4, so in between verse 2 and verse 4, again, they came in after that. They came in unto the daughters of men. So remember, the, there were Nephilim in the earth. There were, the, there were fallen ones in the earth. And after that, when the sons of the powerful people came in into the daughters of ordinary people and bare children to them, so they, they came in. This Hebrew word, When it's speaking in here that they came in, this is Yavahu, okay? That that word Yavahu that is used there in, into the word came in, this tells us that it was not marriage, but it was seduction or rape. Okay, so in the Hebrew, this tells us, so we could say that they went in to the daughters of these ordinary men and they took them and they raped them. Okay? Because they felt like yep. they could have that. Yep. Are, you, are you understanding where, where we're headed here? Okay? And then these women 
got pregnant. Not the men. Okay? So now these women are having children by these horrible men, right? That are on a power trip. Their ego. And they're because of the the the, the teaching in the generations, they feel they have a right. This is what you gotta understand. That's why a lot of the people are doing what they do today because they legitimately feel they have the right to do what they're doing against the Word of God. Okay? Because the values, the morals, the truth has been watered down and has been obliterated. And so now there are no boundaries. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Okay? So that's why people like you and me are fuddy does you and me we are crazy we're fanatics because you know we're we're sick in the muds and we're you know we're old school and we you know that, that's crazy and this this bible is just a bunch of stories you're right you're in the story right so this tells us that these powerful men came into these women seducing them and 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 raping them or so Either seducing them, so so please understand though that that didn't mean that there wasn't some consensual stuff happening. Okay, so it wasn't like every one of them was raped. But so, but we see the idea. So now you know down the road we, we got Lamech's original desire. Remember to separate the benefits of sex from the responsibility of children has not produced men doing what he did. At least he married them. Okay, so this now has, as the generations have went down, this now has produced men that are not doing what he did, uh, which was marrying two women for with different functions. He married one for sex, and he married the other one to bear him children. He wanted to have his cake and eat too. Right, are you with me? Because again, that way, when, when, when mama was pregnant, and all that, he had this that he could go to. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so he could satisfy his flesh and, and do, do all of that. So uh, instead now, this has led to looking for the benefits of sex without even caring about any of the consequences. So now it's went a completely different direction. Okay? To where these men now feel entitled. Okay? Does that sound familiar? Do you remember? You remember when uh, there was a time, some of you probably don't, but maybe you've heard about it, but there was a time when girls used to get sent away in hiding when they became pregnant out of wedlock. But where'd the boy go? Living his life like he had no responsibility, probably getting someone else pregnant. I've known back in my day, when I was a child where there was shotgun weddings for that reason. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, that's why. There was shotguns wedding. Shotgun weddings, you're gonna you're gonna impregnate her, you're gonna marry her. Yep. But they but, but girls were sent away in shame and the boys could just go about, you know, do I will say men. <laughs> they could go about and, 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 and live life like nothing was there. You got politicians. That take advantage of interns. You got Hollywood personalities who use and throw away 
girls that are starstruck at their own will like it's nothing and you got sports figures that do the same thing. And they feel empowered. They feel it's owed to them. Okay? They feel like that they have a right to do that. So this pattern of powerful, uh, of the powerful concept of, of men seizing women, even if it is consensual, is nothing new. It's an old, old story. And as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. And we can even go, even dig, dive deeper into sex trafficking, and so many, so many other things. So then, now you mix in with that, you know, thousands of, of, of years and generations of, of, of degeneration and degradation and all of that things together. Now you've got a recipe for 2023 and where we're at, okay? And, and so uh, it, it, it's an automatic function than of abandoning God's morality and of replacing it with your own, just like Lamech did. So there's no, no, not even any, any, any thinking of, of the, the consequences. It's my right. Right. Well, she didn't say no, but did she say yes? You know, there's a lot of things, and, and I'm not trying to, you know, you get me, but but, but it's the truth, and, and and so you see. What that is. So, who are the Nephilim, those fallen ones, who came also afterwards? So, who are the ones that that uh, that we see coming after? See, the first Nephilim or fallen ones. Okay, are you with me? I'm, I'm going to use Nephilim just because it, it makes sense to me. The first Nephilim were products of bad marriages. Those, they were failing and falling and fell short because of bad marriages. But the latter Nephilim literally just fell into the world mm -hmm. like they had nothing, okay? They had no boundaries of life values and morality. So they literally were fallen ones. They had literally, they literally were just thrown into the world or they fell into the world with nothing. It wasn't even, there wasn't even a bad marriage because there was no marriage. Are you with me? So think about it. You know, after all, what really happens to lonely women who are impregnated by selfish men who vanish? What happens to those women that, that, these selfish men come and get them pregnant and then they disappear. They're nowhere to be found. They got two choices. One, they can choose abortion, which means that that child will fall prematurely from the womb, or they can choose to give birth to children who are not welcome. <coughs> into a loving home with two caring parents. Are you with me? Okay, do you see, do you see the, you see the, the, the trend and the downward spiral and, and, and how the, the whole, the whole idea of marriage and the sacredness of it isn't just something that disappeared in the last 
you know, 20 years here in, in, in our universe to where men are now marrying men and women are marrying women and, and people, people give no thought to not getting married anymore. And, and they, they choose to live outside of God's holy bounds of matrimony. God's not going to bless that. He's, he's, not, he's not obligated to bless that. Okay? And, and so, but this isn't something new because they were doing the same thing in the days of Noah. Now, it is sin to, again, same-sex marriage. That it's not just not being married, but it's, it's, it's feeling like you have the right. It's amazing to me how, how, how sin doesn't want marriage to find, but wants marriage. That same old, have your cake and eat it too. You want the benefits that come from it. A lot of it is just so they can say, we did. That, I, that, that, that we did it. And even though, you know, not supposed to. So, so what happens is, is instead, of, instead of automatically coming into a loving home with two caring parents, they fall into a harsh and often a harsh and, and, and really an inhospitable environment. Are you with me? And I'm not saying, you know, it's not, a, it's not across the board. Everything's not black and white, okay? But you understand what I'm saying. And you understand what's happening. So not only do they fall, but then they cause civilization to fall. So not only do these children that are now born as a result of this This, this seduction or this rape by these powerful men that get these beautiful women pregnant and then vanish, disappear, not committing to them, okay? Not only do those children fall, it's an author automatically, are you with me? They automatically have odds against them, okay? Because, because of, of that situation. And so then... Not only, so then, then however they grow up, if they grow up in that hostile environment and continue that trend, then it's going to affect civilization. And we have evidence today to prove that. We see that, okay? And, and so, you know, if, if they are aborted, then they become the catalyst for the hardening of the culture and the devaluing of life. And so, so, if that is the case, then they become the catalyst for saying, you know what, this is the best choice. This is my right. You know, it's my right. Our creator is the creator, the giver of life. Okay? So, then, but if they're born, okay, particularly boys... Many times they become teens and they destroy society because they have what? No father figure to teach them, instruct them, and the mother is often left with a, 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 an undeniable, sometimes impossible burden to provide because usually 
many times she falls into the same trap and pattern. Right. So it's not, oftentimes it's not just a one-time thing. It is a multiple thing. Are you with me? And we see that today. So much so that we have a society that is needy. That we have a great need in our society. You can check. You can check with law enforcement. You know, anybody in law enforcement, they're going to tell you that a lot of uh, of the violent damage is caused by young boys who never knew their father. And people can argue that, but you can't get away from what God has put into the universe. It's an automatic thing. Chaos is going to ensue if you don't put anything in there to resist it. Okay? It's just going to happen. All right? You, you, you can see. And so they end up doing crime. They end up becoming involved in violence, and they become the fallen ones. They often become fallen to those statistics. So what happens when men and women abandon God's blueprint for life? What happens? All you got to do is look at the societies who've done that and then see for yourself. Look around today. Look around right here in Columbus. You don't have to go anywhere to see what happens when men and women abandon God's blueprint for life, which is his word. So first, you got men and women do not marry. Then second, you have some men, most of them gifted physically, rich, or those who, who rob and rape, they take a large number of women, they use them, they abuse them, then they throw them away. And they abandon them. You see it over and over and over. And all you have to do is listen to the lyrics of, of today's music. That, and that lifestyle is celebrated. That, that idea of, I'm, I'm, you know, of, of, a, of a woman is nothing. And she belongs to me. She's my possession. And it's cool that, I, that I'm violent with her. And it's cool. That, 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 that is evidence of our society that has abandoned the word of God. Okay, all you have to do is celebrate it. So now, at the end of this verse, I'm, I'm about to try to finish this for tonight. But at the end of the, this verse, that they are the mighty men. Okay, and that's not in a good sense. That's not in a good sense because... They're causing harm to innocent people who are trying to live decent lives. Because how many knows that, that their actions affect society as a whole? We are paying. Those that, that, that you know, I, I take pride in that I try to live a decent life. And, I'm, you know, you can say a lot of things about me, but one thing, I'm not as lazy. I will work, I'll clean a toilet, I'll scrub a floor. It doesn't matter to me. That's one thing that was, was taught to me, was that you work, and you take pride in that. And there's a sense of value in, in your labor and what you do. And if you're going to have anything that you are remotely going to say belongs to you, then work for it. <coughs> work for it, because that, that is there. So 
you know, I, I, I feel like that, you know, I, I try to live a, a decent life. And, uh, you know, I, I know a lot of people who don't go to church who are not Christians, but they, they live decent lives. They follow morals and values and those kind of things. But, but people like that pay for the sins and the crimes of those fallen ones. Because it affects society. It affects. So if they can affect society in a negative way, how much more can we affect society in a good way? That's why we've got to keep praying. That's why we've got to do what we do. That's why we've got to, we've got to take this Hanukkah challenge that, and, 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 and invest in somebody during these eight days of Hanukkah. Get, and put something into to try to drive back the chaos that's in this world and that's in, in the life. You can see it on the faces of people. All you got to do is walk in public. And you can see it on the faces of people. So, so these men now, these, these, these are becoming mighty men, and that's not in a good sense, okay, because they're causing harm to those who are innocent, trying to live decent life. So the ancient Jewish wisdom translates this men of renown, okay, this men of renown, translates that to men who bring desolation to the world. So they became, you know, that's the kind of people you want to talk about. That's the kind of, you know, that's the kind of things that, you know, you're going to, you're going to sit and talk about. So men here is the, the Hebrew word ish or the descendants of Adam. And it's not referring to, can I just throw this in there, a cross breed of angels and men. It's referring to ish, which is the Hebrew word for men, okay, uh, Man, husband, your husband is your ish, your wife is your uh, is your ish. Okay, you see the common, we've, we've taught on that before, the husband and wife thing and the fire, there's fire in there. In the Hebrew, the, the, the root word in this, in husband and wife is fire. So if the fire goes out of your marriage, it's going to die. You gotta keep the fire in your marriage. You gotta keep the fire in your relationship. But you gotta be married first. Kids. No fire without marriage. That's right. And mom and dad can put that fire out anytime they want to. As long as you're in the house, fire out. You're welcome. So, anyhow, I got off in a rough time. So this tells us that it, it means men as in the descendants of Adam. So that tells us that this is not, these did not become, these did not become some crossbreed or half-breed of demons and men. Okay, I'm trying to help you see that. We're talking about 100% human. Okay, 100% human. All right? No need. Yes, nothing there. So that helps us, okay? So their renown is really of a negative effect and not a positive. Now, of course, not all children raised by single mothers become fallen ones. I'm not saying that because it's a choice, right? 
There are, there are plenty of single mothers who have done a fantastic job at raising their children on their own. So I'm not, I'm not, again, I said this is not across the board. You can't say that, okay? So that's not what I'm saying, but I'm telling you that's what produced the fallen ones. So these sons literally never knew their fathers. Fathers that didn't even care enough to meet them. They didn't even care. They, they took no, no concern. So, unfortunately, we're talking about that on a societal level, which makes it even worse. So this wasn't just, you know, two or three instances. This was, this was happening often. That's why the Bible, Jesus said they were marrying, given in marriage, they were doing everything they felt like they had the right to do because they had no boundaries. They had forsaken the past. They had abandoned truth, morals. And young people, that's why it's important that you listen and that you take the word of God and that you apply it. I know, you know, I know I'm old to you. I'm not old, but I'm old to you, you know. It still amazes me that, that teachers I had over 40 years ago in high school are still alive. I thought they, <laughs> I thought they were 16 and they were only 30. Like I'm like, they're still breathing? Oh my gosh, I felt like they were like this when, when I was in school. So I get it. I know that to you I'm old. Okay? And to, and to, I may sound, you know, stiff and old-fashioned. But these are things that God has set in place to ensure that no matter what's going on around you, that you'll be blessed and you'll be, you'll be favored and you will not have to worry and you have someone to lean on. And most importantly, you won't go to hell, but you'll spend eternity with him. And that's, that's the great reward. So, that, you know, keep in mind, I'm going to leave you here, that this was happening on a societal level, this was a this was an infection. This was happening. This was, and so God was like, that's why God was like, you know what? My spirit's not always going to hang with that. I'm going to give them just a few more years. Okay, I'm going to give them just a few more years, and then something's got to change. So I'm going to leave you there. We'll 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 move on a little faster. Um, next week as we get into it. Um, but, you know, keep in mind, again, you can, you can do, you know, you know, you can study and do search, but I'll tell you, you're going to run across like four or five different ideas of the Nephilim. Okay? So, thank you. I appreciate your attention. appreciate your involvement. Uh, uh, if you have any questions again, you can let me know. Don't forget, tomorrow night, 7 o'clock, uh, in the basement is the men's church uh, Christmas fellowship. And uh, if you didn't get to sign up and you want to come, sign up just so uh, you can know the, the total amount that are coming. And uh, then Sunday morning, John Ward is going to be here uh, bringing the word of God. So same with us. The little kids back. Man. Hopefully you gain some, some understanding and some, uh, some knowledge. Uh, that you can apply. And so, you know, when you read the articles about the crazy people, 
just understand that there's a method to the madness. <laughs> and Jesus said it was going to happen. All right? All right? So, if you're not standing, stand. And he's going to bless us so far. I want you to lift your hands, honor God, and give him a shout of praise tonight for all that he's done. God bless you. We appreciate you. Amen. Hopefully we'll see you Sunday.